Hello and welcome to the Bible with Megan podcast. My name is Megan and here I talk about the Bible. There are two types of episode in this podcast. The first is where I look at wider themes about the Bible within the Bible, questions about how we should study the Bible and how it relates to our world. The second type of episode are just Bible studies and each week I'll go chronologically through a book of the Bible. The Bible is such a beautiful book and such an incredible gift that we have been given by God and I just hope that in this podcast you will learn to love studying it even more and that it will strengthen your faith. So let's get on with today's episode. Here we are again. The next episode in the Revelation study series that we are doing, going verse by verse through the book of Revelation. This week we are in chapter 3 and we're looking at Jesus' message to the church in Philadelphia. Um, There's six points to these messages. If you want to find out more about that, you can go back um, to the last few episodes or to my YouTube video on the topic. And I will link my YouTube channel in the show notes if you want to check that out. I started this series over on YouTube um, and then carried it on as I transferred onto podcast. Oh, sorry, that was my phone. So the church in Philadelphia, point one, the name of the church and the angel of the church. Here is some context about the church of Philadelphia. So the church in Philadelphia was actually a persecuted church. Um, The city they were in was a rich one and it was known for its kind of, its temples and its festivals. and it was called the gateway to the east um the gateway to the east that's kind of again sometimes the context of these cities kind of links in a bit to what jesus is saying in the in the uh, like kind of like the metaphors and things like that that he uses links into the identity of the city so it's a little bit about philadelphia they also changed their name twice um to honor different people and uh the city had experienced earthquakes as well. The second point out of six is the description of Jesus and in this one Jesus calls um, himself, he says this, he says the words of the holy one, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. Okay so there's a few names he's calling himself here, the holy one, the true one um these link into things that he's called in the gospel of john so we know it's jesus speaking in john chapter 6 verse 69 we see jesus being called holy in john 14 verse 6 we hear that jesus is the truth so he is the true one this is jesus speaking it's very clear and the one who has the key of david that no one will shut so the key of david um is referring to God's promise with David that one will come from his line um, as the Messiah, who Jesus is. But it's it's also quoting Isaiah. Um, let me just find that passage. This is Isaiah 22, verse 22, actually, which is a nice, easy one to remember, isn't it? Two sitting ducks, 22. If any of you ever went to bingo nights at a campsite when you were younger like I did, um that's the only one i can remember actually of the bingo numbers right here we are 22 verse 22 
and I will place on his shoulder the key of the house of David. He shall open and none shall shut, and he shall shut and none shall open. So what's happening here is Jesus is aligning himself with the one that is being prophesied in Isaiah. You can see it's almost a direct quote from Isaiah. So Jesus is saying, I'm the one who's being prophesied um, here. So Jesus is very clearly being called the Messiah. He is the one that has come um, as the saviour to the world, um, as we see him in the Gospel of John and is prophesied in Isaiah and is promised to David. Um, this kind of imagery of a door, of a key as well, may remind you of Jesus calling himself the door of the sheep in John chapter 10. Um, and also it links to that bit of context about the city of Philadelphia being called the gateway to the east. In the way that Philadelphia was the gateway to the east, Jesus is the gateway to new life, to eternal life with him. So the third point is about the church's good works that Jesus wants to commend them for. So we'll pick up at verse 8. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word, and you have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you, because you have kept my word about patient endurance. I will keep you from the hour of trial that is soon coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I'm coming soon, hold fast to what you have, that no one may seize your crown. So Jesus is commending them for their patient endurance. It's that phrase we've seen again and again in the book of Revelation so far, and is so, so, so important to how we read it. This is what Jesus is wanting from his followers, patient endurance. Um, these believers in the face of, of persecution, and though they're powerless and they're weak, they've stayed steadfast in what is true about Jesus and in following him. Um, he says that the synagogue of Satan, he will show that um, he loves these people. Now, the synagogue of Satan is actually a quite a common phrase in Jewish texts. So for example, the Dead Sea Scrolls, um, which were from a community um, called Qumran, uh, and they kind of wrote down lots of literature, they were Jews, and um, they use this phrase just when they're criticising people who they disagree with usually. So it's not that it's like anti-Semitic, um, anti-Jewish. It's used for criticising people who um, aren't following God's law but call themselves Jews. That's how I'd say it. So he's saying that these people in this city, the Jews in this city of Philadelphia, have be obviously been persecuting this church. And he's saying that they will see that this church are people that... Um, they're brought into God's into God's family, like we're told in the Bible, we're adopted into God's family when we follow Jesus. Jesus says these people will see that, they'll see that you are the ones that I love. And this idea of bowing down is probably referencing Isaiah 60 verse 14, and that's about how um, people will bow down before God's people. Um, let's just read it, Isaiah 60 verse 14. The sons of those who afflicted you shall shall come bending low to you, and all who despised you shall bow down at your feet. They shall call you the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. And actually after that it says, 
Whereas you've been forsaken and hated, with now I'm passing through, I will make you majestic forever, a joy from age to age. And so it's kind of speaking into the persecution of this church as well and saying, um, remain steadfast, have that patient endurance through persecution because um, it, it will end and in the kingdom of God, um, the persecution will be will be gone. That hope is ahead of you. Verse 10 talks about those who dwell on the earth. Um, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. Um, and this is an interesting phrase, those who dwell on the earth, because um, if you listen to Craig Keener on this, a Bible scholar called Craig Keener, his YouTube channel, if you want to check him out, he does some videos on Revelation and the context of Revelation, they're really, really good, amongst loads of other things. He's, he's a very knowledgeable person. Um, but this phrase, earth dwellers, it kind of suggests that there are those who dwell on the earth and then the christians are the ones who are sort of heaven dwellers i think it's that like that verse we are seated in heavenly places um we are no longer of the world but in the world and yeah so it's kind of this idea he'll keep them from um this trial so it's not referring to the rapture um we'll get on to in a future podcast about the rapture and uh kind of the controversy and theories around that but whether you believe in it or not um this is not a verse that is referring to that it's it's not one that is talking about the rapture it's talking about um those who have seated in heavenly places in christ uh being protected from the trial and not removed point four then is what does jesus have against this church what is he rebuking them for and with Philadelphia there is nothing this is a great church for us to look up to as an example as uh, remaining steadfast in persecution there's nothing he has against them point five is what instruction does Jesus give and this isn't about what's against them so um he just instructs them to keep holding fast um staying steadfast so no one can seize your crown and we know from earlier in the book when he's speaking to Smyrna in Revelation 2 verse 10 that um it is the faithful who get a crown and so he's calling them to be faithful and continue to be faithful that is their instruction and then we get to the conqueror's promise which is point six so let's read that starts at verse 12 To the one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven, and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So the promise here is that those who are faithful, who overcome, who conquer, who have patient endurance, will be made like a pillar in the temple of God. Now, pillars um, are imagery that's often represents strength uh, in our modern culture as well, but we also see that in Galatians. It's used in that way. Um, also, a pillar in the temple, in the temple of the Israelites, uh, foreigners and, and Gentiles were only allowed in the outer court, so they couldn't go in further to the temple than that there were kind of layers of the temple i suppose um that went up to the holy of holies where the presence of god was 
and uh, yeah, foreigners and Gentiles could only be in the outer court. And of course, um, in this, Jesus is speaking to a Gentile church for the most part, and he's saying, "Now you will be pillars in the temple." So it's it's telling us that permanently, um, these people will be in the presence of God. Um, and this is in firm contrast to the earthquakes um, that the town of Philadelphia would have experienced. There's a permanence and a steadfastness um, of a pillar. It's like a very, yeah, it's a very, very permanent thing. And of course the temple, um, like I said, it's about the presence of God. And also Paul tells us as the church that we are in fact the temple, that we are like living stones um, that are built up on the cornerstone of Jesus. And uh, we are the temple filled with the Holy Spirit. The temple of God is the church and so these guys are it kind of builds on that image of living stones as them being pillars like a particular part of that architecture pillars quite often um had inscriptions or dedications written on them so i suppose it's like if you see a cathedral or a church or whatever and it has a stone and it's like the first stone it says oh this was laid by uh, the prince of wales or something if you're in the uk um marking when they laid it it's kind of a bit like that there'll be dedications and inscriptions written on pillars in these sorts of buildings and so jesus is writing these things on the pillars uh the metaphor for these people who are faithful um showing that they belong to him um on them is written the name of his god the city the new jerusalem which they are now citizens of and his own new name which is a reference to Isaiah 62 verse 2. So let's just find that. The nations shall see your righteousness and all the kings your glory and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. And so there's a lot of references actually to Isaiah's prophecies in this section, isn't there? Um, yes, so I'm just going to summarise this a little bit with a quote from a commentary of Revelation uh, by Thomas and Machiah. They say, The writing of Jesus' new name upon the one who overcomes makes complete the intimate connection between the resurrected Jesus and the one who overcomes. So let's just end in a quick prayer. Lord, may we be ones who overcome like the church in Philadelphia, that in the face of persecution we would remain steadfast. Thank you, Lord, that there is an intimate connection between you, the resurrected Jesus, and those who follow you faithfully without compromise. May we be like that, Father God. In Jesus' name. Amen. That was quite a quick run through that passage but it's quite a simple one compared to some of the other ones we've looked at the next in our revelation series will be to the church in Laodicea Jesus's message to them um and then that will be the end of the message to the churches and we'll get on to John's vision of the throne room which is really exciting Thank you so so much for joining me for today's podcast if you have five minutes to leave a review of this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on that would be really really helpful and it would help more people like us who might enjoy studying the bible to find the podcast and to join us in our journey 
If you'd like to support me in making this podcast financially, you can use the buy me a coffee link that is in the show notes to just donate a little bit towards making these resources. You can also follow me over on Instagram at Bible with Megan or one word where I update everything that's going on and have content on there as well. So I really look forward to seeing you next time for the next episode of the Bible with Megan podcast.